Welcome to the front porch with Brian Beaudry. Okay, so I guess we get to start off with uh, a couple of easy questions first. Hopefully they're easy. Um, who are you and where are you from? I am Samantha Retora. I'm president at our rental pumps. Uh, we are in a concrete pump and equipment rental based in on Long Island, just outside New York City. Okay, so um, since our rental pumps is on Long Island, I'm going to ask you to dispel one myth that you think is out there for those of us uh, like me who got all of our information about New York City and North New Jersey and Long Island and that area from TV shows. Um, <laughs> What, what's what's something out there that you think is wrong? That's a good question. Um, there's plenty that's wrong. Um, I don't know. What's think, the most wrong thing? That... I think I instantly think of, you know, um, when you think of like sitcoms and the New York stereotype kind of like Janice from uh, Friends. <laughs> and okay. Most people are not like that. Um, yeah, it's, you know, it's right outside New York City, but we... Um, it's a really interesting place to live out here. We have vineyards, we have beaches, uh, great music venues. I mean, it's a really, it's a good area to live, but I'd say uh, the the Long Island sort of um, words and like the, the way people speak that they put out on TV is not really typical of most of us here. Yeah, you did not, I noticed that you did not have a super hardcore uh accent so i don't you know uh some of my family does i think my my dad and my brother definitely have a stronger accent than the rest of us but uh maybe that's being in the construction field uh, all day out and you know physically in the field different world i was gonna say yeah i would wonder why that is but it's <laughs> interesting to think that it comes through uh maybe job yeah. Okay. Well, let's let's now go into the past. Uh, when you're a kid, like eight to ten years old, wh whenever you can first remember, um, what were you thinking that you were going to be when you grew up? And is it anywhere close to where you are today? I probably would have said I wanted to be a vet, a veterinarian. Um, I like animals. I have animals, but uh, no, I don't think I would have the stomach for actually doing any of that. <laughs> Yeah, I've heard it's like really depressing if you really love animals because like it, all you're seeing is sick animals like all the time. Yeah, sounds so, nice so, thinking to a kid, I guess that you'll help them and you'll save them. But uh, I sure. think the reality of it is very different than what I'd like to deal with every day. Yeah. How, how close did you get to that? Were, were you like in high school or did you go to college for it? Or uh, Yeah, when I was in high school, I, uh, I worked with uh, my vet, actually, I ride horses also. So I, I worked with her a lot at, um, at the racetrack on weekends and days off. And I think I very quickly learned that it sounds a lot better on paper than, you know, I'm not great with blood. So it didn't quite work out. Yes, that does seem like an important part of any kind of doctoring. <laughs> Definitely. Okay. So, well, not the right route for me, but I think I figured out something better. Good. Hopefully you're not seeing a lot of blood at our rental pumps. I... Thank God, no blood. <laughs> Good. Um, so did you do any extracurricular activities besides uh, apparently riding horses? Um, I know in the rental industry, a lot of folks worked in the family business. Were you working with your dad in his contracting business? I did as a kid. Um, you know, I, I still horseback ride. I ride competitively when I have the time, um, showing and stuff like that, jumping, all of that. Um, but I did growing up, um, I grew up really in a family business. So my great grandfather had started my dad's uh, contracting company. So from the time I was little, weekends were spent 
my grandfather would typically bring me to a job. My dad did throw me in a little D4 and let me like push dirt around at a corner away from everybody and stayed out of the way. But it was a, a big part of growing up. Um, most of my family's in the industry. We, a lot of us have smaller companies now that um, kind of have taken us away from that main contracting business, but uh, we were really lucky. My dad really kind of pushed us to figure out what we wanted and let us, let us make our mistakes and, and learn from it. And he was always supportive, but he never really forced us inside like the box of having to do what he did. It's kind of nice. Yeah. Okay. Now this question's not on there, but you did mention uh, making some mistakes. What What's like a mistake that you made early on that has helped kind of guide you to where you are now? <laughs> I think um, early on, I definitely, I thought I could maybe make money with horses and I can't. Um, so he let me lose a lot of money first. And then finally it was like, what are you doing? <laughs> and, uh, and even, you know, like it's, it's great to have a mentor and somebody like my dad, that's, he's successful in the, co in the contracting industry. Um, but he, he would never tell me what to do over here, which I think I was pretty lucky for. He, you know, he'd, he'd ask and, oh, do you need help? Do you need support? But it was never like, oh, why are you buying that? Like the first time I bought a Lee Bear uh, concrete pump, you, you could tell from him, he's like, why are you changing from the people you work with? And and I didn't, I still work with this, the major manufacturers, but um, not that that was a mistake, but he, I think at first was like, this was not the right choice. And then he kind of laughs at you and he's like, you know, you were right. And if you failed, he would have been there and supported you, but he wouldn't, he would never say, you know, I told you that was wrong. Yeah. But, um, yeah and they've become a, a big manufacturer I work with still uh, and I have a great relationship with them. But, you know, he's a little more old school and wouldn't have thought of a newer player in, in the type of equipment originally that we deal with. Well, that's cool. Okay, now we're going to go back. Uh, you've decided that you're not going to de be a veterinarian and you eventually go on to Long Island University, which I hadn't heard of, but, you know, I only know universities through college sports. Um, yeah, so sports there. Anybody yeah. Were you going there for to school for business or something else? I actually, my degree is in early childhood education. So again, I guess that could have been seen as a mistake because you can't really make money teaching four-year-olds, but um, nobody really cared. They let me kind of get out there and figure it out. Uh, I taught for a few years. Um, I think it was a learning experience when I was graduating in student teaching. Um, both of, you know, I graduated kind of as the recession was hitting. Um, so both of the teachers I was teaching with got laid off. Um, they were not hiring any new teachers. Um, so I started this business, but I wasn't really, you know, I started this with originally my brother and my sister, and we just had two or three pieces of equipment and it kind of functioned, but I didn't have any drive to really grow it then. I went and taught in Nashville for a few years um, and then quickly realized I needed to make money. and came back here and really committed and started growing the business, eventually got certified as a women-owned business, women business in New York, which um, a lot of the projects we work on are government funded. So it's a benefit to customers and, and to us. Um, and kind of committed probably by 2012 or 13 to really make this more than 
it was and make this a career for myself and the, the team and the employees. And yeah. yeah, it's, it's cool that you had that opportunity. Do you think that, um, that whole experience in like going down to Nashville, it really helped you sometimes, I, I think it's sometimes important to realize where you don't want to be before you can necessarily realize where you do want to be. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Vocation wise, it's, uh, it was the right choice. And I, 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 surprised how much I love what I do, which is, I think, you know, trying my other things first and then eventually saying, okay, you know, you've got to, got to go back and, you know, somewhat be, make your own name within the family business in a sense, um, I think has been, has been great. And I, I love it. I love what I do. I love the customers we work with and employees and yeah, so it's good. Okay, has has your early education background helped in uh, dealing with any customers or uh, employees? Or, <laughs> um, yeah, you know, I think I think anybody in the rental industry knows we have a pretty fast moving um, industry. Customers, I mean, you say you deal with sixty or so pieces of equipment a day, and x amount of operators you have access to, and x amount of you know trucking people, and people change their mind a thousand times a day, so. I always joke, it's like I'm playing Tetris 24 seven, you know, trying to fit the pieces together. All right, this customer needs this, but now at eight o'clock at night, he's decided he wants this. And let me, you know, I think people in my personal life definitely uh, can get frustrated by the changes at the end of the day, but um, it happens. And that's part of what we do. You know, you, you wanna be there to help everybody you can because it is the construction industry. Things, things change drastically quickly and, you know, you might have a stop order on a project and have to shift another day, which means then you have to rearrange everything to help them out. And it's part of it. So. And yeah, usually it's one of those things where uh, I feel like in order for something to appear smooth on one end, so much extra work has to go in on the back end. And that's kind of what what the rental industry is about, I guess. Exactly. Yeah. That's, I think you definitely have to have the people skills and I think you have to be wired to want to want to help everybody because I mean if for the customers to come back they have to know you've got their back and we're lucky we've got really great loyal customer base and uh, I think the more you're willing to help them out when some you know something terrible happens at nine o'clock at night the more more willing they are to, to come back even I mean the office phones are sent to my cell phone every night so it's always fully accessible and fun. Yeah, great. <laughs> Personal life, they don't always love it, but it's kind yeah. of what we do. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, I'm going to skip over the straight from school to starting a business question since you already uh, clearly answered that there is there's a little there. space in there. Um, so before we set this interview up, I found an article about you. Uh, it seems like you're already used to doing interviews, so you're you're doing a very nice job here. Um, our rental pups is now 11 years old and you own it. Um, I assume you started the thing. Why did you start it? I own it with my aunt actually now. Um, oh, okay. So why did you start it though? Um, originally I started it, you know, we kind of saw a hole in the industry. Um, you can see with the concrete pumps, it's a necessary piece of equipment for every major project in, in the whole country, honestly. Um, but they're expensive assets. Um, and you need a variety of sizes for every project. So you might be working on a bridge, 
And one day you're going to need a really small, like a 20 meter. And another day, once you're up on the higher point of the deck, you're going to want something with 200 feet of reach. Um, so it's rare that a contractor, at least in New York, where we have limited space, owns a variety of concrete pumps. So it's easier to rent it for the day as needed. Um, so you just that way you can keep them busier as well, rather than trying to keep them busy. If you're just a small contractor, you're not going to keep 20 pumps busy every day. Um, so that was the starting point. And then as we've grown, um, I do a lot of research and, and speak to my customers about what they really need and what else they'd have interest renting from us. Um, so I've just slowly grown the rental fleet to have other types of equipment as well. Um, so we have telehandlers, we have excavators, mini excavators, uh, screening plant, attenuator trucks, just slowly growing based on what, what the customers need. Because if, if they can call me for their pump as well as they need an excavator for a month or longer or whatever, um, it's one call instead of two or three. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And obviously, if uh, people are telling you that they want to rent it, then you will have some customers for it. So yeah. <laughs> maybe I'm a little careful in that, that I, I want to make sure it's going to go somewhere before I buy it. But um, yeah. <laughs> Come to Point of Reynolds International Conference this November. It'll be three days full of learning, fun, food, and murder. No, Brian. At some conferences, you might expect to be murdered, but Point of Reynolds International Conference is murder-free. But it's just going to be learning, fun, and food, and networking, and an opportunity to see your favorite pointers. No murder. Seems like the international conference will be better than conferences that do have murders. That's correct. So register now at conference.pointofrental.com. Past results do not guarantee future performance. Point of Rental will provide a safe environment and will not murder you ourselves, but we can prevent all murders. Please be aware of your surroundings. Okay, so you keep talking about concrete pumps. I know nothing about concrete pumps. Uh, what is a concrete pump? I only think of it when it's hardened. So yeah. where are you pumping this concrete into and why are sizes of concrete pumps uh, different? It's not something people really think of, oddly enough, um, but it's a necessary part of every major project. Okay, so very simply, a concrete pump is going to take the concrete coming from a mixer truck, push it through the pump itself, and then out a long arm that will then place it wherever you need the concrete at the end result to be. Um, so uh, we, we did a lot of work at Belmont Stadium. Uh, it's called actually UBS Stadium now. It's um, a new hockey ring, you know, um, stadium. They have music, it's a music venue now also. Uh, the Islanders are playing there. So it's, it's been a big project the last few years. Um, we had a bunch of equipment there for different contractors, but all of the concrete work, we started even early on when they were doing site work, they had telebelts, which um, it's like a truck mounted conveyor belt that they would move the material, just, just simple dirt and backfill. They'd move that around as they were working on the site. Then they eventually worked into some of the smaller concrete pumps, like a 20 meter can reach about 64 feet. But then by the time we were placing the actual um, the actual ice rink, that was one of the biggest pumps we have. So they had backed it into the building and it could reach close to 200 feet and they could do the entire entire slab in, in one day. But that's a little bit where you have the different sizes, you know, as the progression of the project goes, you're shifting that as you're doing this, the seats in the stadium. 
Um, yeah, I just started thinking about like the stadiums I've been in. And it's like, oh yeah, I, I suppose you can't just you know bring concrete bags in, mix it up. <laughs> It'd exactly. be very inefficient. Yeah, you can. I mean, you can place a thousand yards in a day if if need be, um, or you could place eight. And I, I, it's always surprising when customers come when the job ticket comes back at the end of the day, and it's like six yards. I'm like, why did you do this? Well, there was no other way to get the concrete there. Concrete is heavy, so I didn't want to lift it. That yeah, exactly. <laughs> so. Okay, that's cool. Yeah. Um, what is you mentioned a cool project that. I mean, it sounds cool. I kind of like hockey. And um, but what's the coolest project that your equipment has been a part of? Uh, I saw a pretty great list on your website. Oh, I haven't up updated the website in years either, so um, I should do that. I was going to uh, say, well, now you have a note to yourself for uh, action. Okay. That note. Um, yeah, oh, we do a lot of really neat projects. Um, you know, because we we just rent the equipment, um, we're not doing the act active work there, but we could be at one site for four or five different customers. So um, there's this really neat project right now. I think you had mentioned it, Little Island. Um, we called it Pier 55 at, at the time. We didn't know what its name was going to be. Um, but it's an island built in in the river, basically. Um, yes, I, I saw it. It looks insane. So yeah, it's, <laughs> it's all these little precast tulips, they called them, that we were there for four or five different contractors. There was an amphitheater there. It's a beautiful green space in New York City, but on the river. Um, so it looks kind of like a floating island in the river right off, off a busy area of New York. Um, and it's, it's just beautiful, the amount of work that's been there. And we were there for landscapers, contractors. We worked with one company to do the amphitheater area, others just the concrete paths and you know, it was a ton of work. It was really, it's a really pretty spot. I haven't been there since it's been finished. Uh, I've taken pictures of it, but I haven't actually gotten to go in, but I'd like to one day. Yeah, and for anyone listening out there, it looks like basically an island, but it's like concrete thumbtacks or something sticking into the river. And it's like an entire island that's just set on what looks like thumbtacks. And just looking at it from the side, I can't imagine actually wanting to step on it. <laughs> but then like when you see the pictures of what's on there, it really looks pretty cool. Yeah, that's pretty neat. And we do a lot of the bridges and the MTA work. Um, you know, we did a lot of work for Eastside Access, which is a new uh, subway line connecting Long Island to uh, Grand Central, which we've never had direct access from. You'd have to go into Penn Station take a cab or the subway over to Grand Central and then you could go up to Westchester or upstate New York that way. But uh, now we have direct access in. Well, it should open, I think, in December last I heard. But that's been a really cool project that's been in the works, honestly, I think, since the early 1900s. And then they stopped and we've finally gotten to finish an original New York plan. Yeah, so I was going to say, sometimes projects take a little while, you know, <laughs> Maybe generations. Not <laughs> Yeah, not typically a hundred years, but um, yeah, it's kind of cool to actually be a part of, you know, finishing finishing what was New York's history, and um, you know, the city is always evolving, so it's kind of fun to be a part of that. Yeah, that's cool. Okay, I assume that when you're working on these concrete projects, uh, when something go wrong goes wrong, it could be a lot more dangerous rather than funny. Um, I don't want to get into the dangerous stories because those are, you know, scary and uh, 
not not great. Do you have any funny stories of someone managing to screw up a project? Or since you're not out on the actual projects, you don't have any stories? Um, I don't know. I feel like when you deal with any construction industry, anything that goes wrong typically isn't that funny. Um, but yeah, I mean, we've got a pretty pretty good safety record, and I think most of our customers do as well. But um, yeah, I can't. I was trying to think of that when you said the questions. I'm like, I can't really think of something funny because when right. it goes wrong with concrete, especially, it can go wrong. I'm glad no one's rented it to fill an ex's car with concrete because I've seen those news stories. I'm glad that wasn't related to you, though. <laughs> yeah, that is definitely not us. My dad filled a, uh, a gator once on a job site uh, with dirt from an excavator, but not concrete. He was really annoyed. He, I remember him calling me, this day just went so wrong. So-and-so parked right where I was pouring this, like, placing this hill. He's like, so I just covered their gator. and. <laughs> Like that doesn't sound nice, um, but yeah, no, I don't think we don't do any of that. Play better. Right, well, <laughs> that's good. Okay, much like me, you're uh, new to the ARA Young Professionals Committee. Why did you join? <laughs> you know, um, Bridget emailed me one day and just asked if I'd like to be a part of it. Um, you know, I, I grew up industry wise. My dad was really active in um, the ASCC, uh, I think it's the American Society of Concrete Contractors. So I grew up going to those meetings my whole life um, and I knew the relationships he made through them. Um, we're still to this day some of his best friends. Um, so I've been very active in the American Concrete Pumping Association. Um, but over the last few years, as, as we've added another equi equipment, I've wanted to get a, to be a part of ARA. Um, so when Bridget reached out, it was kind of a perfect, um, perfect reason to get more involved. And um, I'm still new to it, but I'm excited to keep getting to know everybody. Everybody's wonderful. And, you know, there's a lot you can learn from how other people do things across the country. Yeah. Okay. Now, we do keep coming back to, to your dad and his contracting business. And you've mentioned other siblings and other family members and their associated businesses. Can I get a rundown? Um, <laughs> It'd be great if you would do it in song form like Encanto, oh, but I will I will take a non-sung version of what are all the associated businesses you and your family like have in that Long Island area? My dad's main business is, uh, it's over a hundred years old. Uh, it's called Retora and Sons Construction. They do a lot of concrete work and site work. Um, I think we were all kind of raised to to really think on our own. I mean, he, like I said, he's, he's been amazing and he could have very easily tried to push all of us into that business. Um, but he really let us figure out what, where we fit best. Um, I think I'd be really bored if I was over there. I don't think there'd be an ideal role for me. Um, so I, my companies are rental pumps. Um, we do concrete pumping and other types of equipment rentals. My brother has a trucking company, uh, rock tech, and he moves heavy equipment all over the country. Um, so they do a lot of that. Uh, my sister has kind of, Nicole has done a lot of the office managing for Retour and Sons and her husband's their head estimator. Um, so we're all kind of in it. I have cousins that are over at Retour as well. I have another cousin that has a trucking company uh, that they do more like dump trucks. Um, but yeah, I think, we, we were raised, and I don't know if it was just 
being raised, you know, my dad was first generation in the U.S., so his his grandfather and my grandfather were uh, Italian immigrants, so they came over with, I mean, nothing, just pennies in their pocket, basically, and uh, they had to make something for their, their family, so they were really, really hard workers, and we all grew up with that work ethic, um, and yeah, my dad, my dad's brother is involved in Rotora as well. And they, they work really closely together. My cousin's their safety manager over there. Um, and yeah, we've just kind of grown up with that work ethic to kind of always make something of yourself and make it better. And it's, and I think at least, I don't know if it's how, how we were raised that, um, you know, it's a, it's a family. So despite I'm in my own company, like to me, the team and the people that are here, you're, you want to make a career for yourself, but you also want to make a career for them and give them the best livelihood their families could have. Cool. Um, now I have to ask, are there, how, how many projects have brought like all the family businesses together? Have, have there been any? I don't know, honestly. Um, I am lucky that Rotora rents equipment from us. Um, I use my brother's trucking company often when, um, when I need to ship the, you know, ship to, um, other companies and, you know, with the bigger excavators and the Magnes. Um, see now I, there, now there's a part of me that wants to play up the other side is like, how do you ever have to go with a competitor to them? And then how does that conversation go? If, if they find out, or you, t do you tell them? Most, most of my customers are competitors of my family. And, you know, I think yeah. initially when I was younger, you know, when I was in my 20s, they were definitely, oh, like I, your dad must be involved and he's not. And I think that's been the best. I think that's just, it's a testament of like, our, maybe my integrity in a way that, you know, I work for a lot of my father's competitors. And I think they keep coming back because they know I'm trying so hard to make a name for myself rather than just be Tommy's daughter. So, um, you know, I, I'm on, on a board for uh, the Long Island Contractors Association and they sit in this room with a lot of men that are, you know, competitors of my dad and have been my whole life. These, these impressive names I've always heard. And I think I was 29 when I got voted onto that and I was, so intimidated and uh my dad called me the other day and he's like oh i saw so and so you know he said it's it's so great to like figure out how smart you are and like how hard of a worker you are and i was like that's you can't get a better compliment than a competitor telling your dad you're doing a good job so yeah that's, that's really good. cool yeah <laughs> okay you've been a leader since at least 2011 uh it seems like maybe you had other other times where you were a leader as well, especially in front of a, a classroom. Um, what's one trait that you believe all great leaders have in common? That's a really good question. Um, you know, I think I think everybody is is wired slightly differently. But um, to me, I think a lot of it is is caring about people and situations and um, as a good leader, your team needs to know you have their back. Um, if something goes wrong, you know, it's it's easy to point fingers, but it's a lot harder to have that conversation and say, okay, you know, this wasn't ideal. Why did this happen? How do we change it? How do we make sure it doesn't happen again and turn it into a learning experience? So 
um, yeah, I think the integrity and uh, having each other's back is really the most important. And trying to be honest. Yeah. That's a good one. Okay. I don't remember where this one came from. I think that you had suggested it as a question. So hopefully, hopefully that's the case. (laughs) (laughs) This question's not out of nowhere. Um, How did you get into predictive index for hiring or building a team? Oh, I de- you must have found that. In the yeah, maybe that, was in the, maybe that was in the article because I was like, I, I um, just so, got back to this questionnaire and I was like, what on earth is predictive index? Yeah, so it's a really it's a really cool tool. Um, originally, my dad found it through that uh, ASCC association, um, so they used it a lot. It's something I, I use pretty much in any interview situation um, before even I sit down with people. When I have a lot of applications, I'll send out a PI and it's a five minute. I don't, I don't want to call it a test, but that's like the easiest way to explain it. It's basically Let's call it an evaluation. Evaluation. Maybe that's it. So it breaks down, like it gives you a list of, I don't know, maybe 50 words. And it says, uh, one of the questions is, what do you think your strongest points are and what do you see in a leader or something like that to that? I haven't looked at it in a long time, something to that effect. Um, And you just click these off and then it puts it in the computer system and it breaks down to four key points, um, basically independence, um, introversion, extroversion, patience, and um, the last one, it's a D, it's, Everyone thinks it's attention to detail, but it's really, a, are you a rule follower, basically? Um, and then when you get to know the chart and see where people kind of break down, um, it explains a lot of things that somebody is really good at. So a bookkeeper typically has a really high D and a low A. They like things really routine every day, um, and they're okay with that routine situation. I could never do that job because I bounce too much. Um, but mine, I have a higher B. I like to talk to people. I, um, you know, I enjoy helping other people. Um, so I would never hire a bookkeeper type or an accountant. I would never hire my sister to do what I do. And she would never want to do what I do just because internally we're not wired to, to do that. So it's just, it's a really great tool to make sure you have people that internally are, built for the role you're hiring them because you'll always if you're naturally good at something you're gonna that's easier you're not gonna have to change who you are to to get your day-to-day life done yeah i mean and you're putting them in a position to succeed as well by like look i'm not gonna hire you for a thing that you're not gonna enjoy right exactly like it would i can do the bookkeeping but it would drive me completely nuts having to do it every single day but i can fill in if needed but it's just um joanna is amazing and without her i'd probably lose my mind because she keeps me organized yeah i was gonna say it's one of those things where it's like i could do this in a pinch but please nothing ever happened to you yes and you need that balance in your team you need the people who are really organized and the accountant types and the people who are good at the the sales and, and talking to people and that's what makes the business run well for sure Okay, if you weren't running a rental business, what would you be doing? Jeez. I'd probably try to make money at horses and fail. 
Um, but yeah, I, I do. I have some young horses I've bred. I have two that I horse show, uh, and I have some young horses that are going to be for sale in the next year or so. Um, but I, it wouldn't have been a career, you know, unless you got that one horse that, you know, <laughs> in a perfect world, it would be great. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm good at what I do, but I don't think I'm quite good enough to, you know, make a real career of it. So that's fine. Okay. I'm a good amateur. Good. Uh, before we get into the five important questions, is there anything the world should know about you that I haven't even thought to ask about? Because I, again, I don't know you that well. I just am stealing stuff from an online article and LinkedIn. <laughs> uh, I don't think so. I think you've covered most of, you know, most okay. of Yeah. <laughs> well, then let's get into the five important questions. Okay, great. Five important questions. Five important, five questions. important questions. Five important questions. Okay. First of all, what would you say is your greatest success in life? I would I'd say this business, you know, it um, and I think growing into the person I am today in a way. Um, like I, I mentioned, I kind of bounced and figuring out exactly what I wanted to do. But um, since committing myself to this and, you know, the dream is constantly growing and it's evolving and I think it's exciting to see where it can be. It's only 11 years old now. I mean, it's nothing compared to the hundred years my family's company is, but uh, maybe one day. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, it's technically not going to be able to catch up ever, but you know, you could, you could have it last as long in a hundred years. As... Maybe my great grandchildren will be saying, Oh yeah. You know, when she started this, she yeah, exactly. And then one of them will have to have a, a kid that found a slightly different business. Yeah. That yeah. <laughs> they could do their other things. Exactly. In this industry, they could do. <laughs> yep. Okay. If you could go back in time and give yourself one piece of advice when you started your career, what would it be? You know, I'm not really wired to think like if you knew something differently, uh, you would have changed. I feel like the steps you kind of go through create the person you are. Um, maybe I would have thought to think of this more serious. Maybe I would have gone to school for business so I wouldn't have to figure it out as I go. Um, but, uh, you know, at 17, when I went into college, I was going to be a teacher and my, my minor was in like sociology, you know, so maybe actually do something a little more, uh, maybe go for business. I would say probably would have been my, um, my mindset. But I don't, I don't know if I would have enjoyed that. I think it, the math would have killed me. So. Yeah. Yeah. I, I tried to take a, some business courses when I was in college, just thinking like, it would be helpful to have this. And then I hit an accounting class and I was like, nope. No. Well, I, I remember <laughs> economics. I wanted, like, I just could not get through it. It made no sense to me. Um, but you had to take it. So, <laughs> yep. yeah. Okay. Well, you enjoyed that question so much. Uh, what is the most embarrassing moment in your career? I don't know. Um, you know, I think it's, I don't know if it's embarrassing, but I think uh, being a younger woman in, in the industry, you're, um, you're not taken as seriously, maybe. Um, I wouldn't say it's embarrassing, but that's, I think, something I always strive. You know, you've got to sometimes be a little smarter than everybody else just to, to prove to everybody, you know, what you're actually talking about. Um, so you have a little extra pressure on you to not ever have an embarrassing moment. Yeah, that might be exactly. That's true. But you don't have any situations where like 
maybe people wouldn't normally be embarrassed by this, but because you feel that pressure, you're like, I don't know. I, I tend to embarrass fairly easily um, because I also kind of hold myself to the standard of like, okay, you're not allowed to make any mistakes, Brent. Not at least not publicly. Privately, yeah. you can make mistakes, but yeah. um, I think I think I do definitely try to kind of hold myself to that. I mean, the worst I think is if you make a mistake. I don't know if it's embarrassing, but it you it sucks if you accidentally enter something in the wrong day, and then you get that call at six in the morning. Where's my truck? And you're like. Oh, but you know it's very rare that happens but you know you're human things yeah uh, yeah i don't know though I mean, i'll think on the embarrassing moment and see if there's anything else i can think i was of. gonna say that's 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 a pretty good embarrassing moment i i picture myself getting very embarrassed especially like having that person there to like pick it up and it's like yeah. oh no i don't want to let anybody down um yeah. so yeah i think that's probably like the worst the, it, that kills me when I have accidentally put something on the wrong day and didn't catch it before I left. But yeah, well, good because that that question's all just to set up the next question anyway. <laughs> no. um, I just had to get some type of answer from you. So sorry, you've been sentenced to death due to uh, it now being a capital offense to rent something on, or schedule something on the wrong day. Uh, what is your last meal and why? Oh, that's a good one. I would say, I mean, I live in New York. Pizza's pretty great. Um, but even I think we have, we have really great Italian food here too. So I'd say last meal would probably be rigatoni alla vodka from one specific place here. Maybe put some chicken in it too. So I feel like- You're I'd, not gonna mention the name of the place? Oh, it's this little place called Saldi's. It's like a little hole in the wall over by my parents. And I think they eat there almost every night of the week. Okay. Are you having anything with this rigatoni or, or no? I'd probably put chicken in it. And Any desserts or beverages? Oh, geez. Uh, probably wine. Chardonnay is usually my go-to. And dessert, if you're at Italian, I guess tiramisu. Sounds like a really great last meal. Yeah, I was going to say that sounds like a good thing to go out on. Yeah. All right. That's, I can handle that. Well, you... You can eat that meal and you don't have to be put to death. So oh, nice. <laughs> find some time next week, maybe. <laughs> good. Okay. If you could change one thing about yourself, what would it be? You know, I think um, as I've grown, grown up, it's starting to kind of evolve. But as when I was younger, for sure, I was such a people pleaser. I never wanted to upset anybody. And I mean, it plays into who I am today a, a lot, but definitely um, maybe prioritize like things that, make me happy over other people sometimes but i was gonna say yeah, yeah, you, ha you always have to be careful around phrasing that it's like yeah, i want exactly. to not please people yeah, no. and you need, be okay you with that please people but you also have to i guess respect what you need out of your life as well that's a far more mature yeah. answer I, I just did this um for okay. for our other podcast where i got to be the interviewee mine was just i want to be able to dunk i like yours is much <laughs> much more mature one <laughs> Sometimes, yeah. like I said, being young in this industry. <laughs> <laughs> okay, if you could change one thing about the rental industry, what would it be? Oh, you know, I think you see it in the concrete pumps a lot. Uh, you do see it sometimes in the, the rental industry. Um, we're an industry built on wheels. So, you know, um, you can very easily, you know, I think in like a contractor's world, their territory is their territory where 
we can very easily say, oh yeah, you need that in Pennsylvania. Like, let me just put few on a truck and like, we can do that. And there's not, I think once you make really good friends within the industry, you protect each other, but um, it's not like a contractor that will watch out for friends of theirs across the country. I think many will just kind of move into your territory without thinking twice about it. So I think that's a, a tough part of this industry. The concrete pumps, you see it a lot, like, oh, suddenly, oh, you need this, we'll just drive, drive over and we'll, we can get that done for you for that day. Uh, I gotta say, you're you're fitting into some of these uh, stereotypes about New Yorkers and having their territory <laughs> that they. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I don't know. What is the most difficult part of your job? Um, the most difficult part. I think it's just managing things. It's like, um, you know, it's like a bouncing ball constantly. Things are always changing, and you want to make sure you're helping everybody out. Um, but also not not screwing anybody when something changes at the last minute okay yeah let me make that adjustment but this person still needs to get so i think yeah just the the bouncing bouncing ball of you know what we do every day it's understandable changing and evolving okay is that also the most rewarding part i'd say the most rewarding part is you know the helping people it's it's i love the kind of projects we get to be on we get to be on some really historic and interesting projects um, and it's nice to you know we're a small part of that but if we couldn't get the equipment to pe to those customers they couldn't get it done so i think to me that that's really the most rewarding part knowing you're making a difference and you're a part of something huge much bigger than us yeah i was gonna say do you feel like some measure of What's the level of pride that you feel when you're walking by one of these uh, projects that you are somewhat involved in or <laughs> heavily involved in? I like to feel proud of things that I really had nothing to do with, like, you know, being a sports fan. It's like, I like, you know, my team wins the championship. I did absolutely nothing, but I'm celebrating it. Yeah. I, I feel like if you're going by stuff that you actually sort of participated in the building of, you got to have some level of pride. Yeah, I think that's pretty cool. I remember like that, that Belmont Stadium. Um, one of the first concerts that was there, I went with friends and I just, I hadn't been there when it was finished and just seeing like, wow, we were here from the start. Like you look at the time-lapse of it and you see the little blue booms everywhere and you see the the Magnies and you're like, those were ours. Like, that's kind of cool. And, you know, despite we're not doing the work without us supporting those contractors, it's, it couldn't, I mean, somebody else would do it, but it's kind of cool. It's us. <laughs> yeah. So, you get yeah. to be like, and I helped. Yes. Yeah. And I mean, even it's just funny, like, you know, New York traffic and everything, friends of mine that they're like in finance and stuff will send me pictures. Oh, look, I saw your truck today. I was like, oh, that's nice. And it's kind of, I don't know, it's cool to be a part of something. So yeah, I, I definitely, uh, I I take far too many pictures of finished things that we've been a part of. I'm like, look at how cool this is. But, See, yeah. use those pictures when you're updating your website after <laughs> after this meeting. The social media is pretty well updated. The uh, the website, okay. <laughs> I don't, I'm telling you, that'll be my note sometime this year. Cool. All right. Well, thank you for joining me today, Samantha. Uh, I appreciate you taking the time. And I hope you have a great rest of your day. Thank you. You too. Appreciate it. Thanks for letting me be a part of it. Thank you.